today is a part of our staying relevant micro series. And we're calling it a micro series because this will kind of be interspersed throughout the year in between our more uh, meteor sermon series. So this is our way really to stay connected to what's going on in the community, really stay connected to the resources that are out there for us. We want to continue the dialogue around these issues that are affecting us daily. So today we're going to hear from JJ and Sarah Perez. They're going to talk to us about the Overcomer Foundation. So Vista, please join me in welcoming JJ and Sarah Perez. Thank you. All right. Good morning, everyone. Thank you for having us. Come on, really? <laughs> Worthington was like twice that loud. You guys can't even. <laughs> Good morning, everyone. All right. I'm sure you're not competitive, though. I'm We're in a dark sure theater, but you don't need to act like it. <laughs> All right. I'm going to say a quick prayer for us. Um, Sarah and I are not professional speakers, uh, and I admitted at the last, uh, at Worthington, um, one of our family values is that if something scares you, you do it anyway. Um, I think my girls have my introversion and probably, you know, my shyness. And um, so this, that's what we're doing today. We're doing it anyway. We feel like God has given us a message. Um, Vista asked us to, 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 to give it. Um, so that's what we're going to do. But if we could just uh, open with a prayer, bow our heads. Father God, thank you for today, Lord. Thank you for all that you're doing, Father. Thank you for the opportunity to meet together to hear from you, Lord. Father, we pray that these would be your words, Lord God, not our own. Lord, use us as your tools. Father, open all of our ears to hear what you have to say to us today, Father. Challenge us. Encourage us, Lord. Help everyone here to feel, see, and to understand, Lord God, that they can make a huge impact in somebody's life for your kingdom, Lord God. That they don't have to be unique or special to do that. That every single one of your, your people, Father God, your power can work through them to make an impact in their community and in people's lives. In your name, amen. Okay, well, good morning. So as uh, Katawa said, I'm Sarah Perez. Um, it's really exciting to get to be here. This is actually our first time at the Dublin. We've been in Vista for about a year, but this is our first time, apart from the Christmas program, with all of you in Dublin. So this is pretty exciting for us. Uh, we are uh, really excited to share about our hearts, um, something that's been really specifically laid on my heart and then has become also a passion of, of JJ's. Um, and so I'd like to open, though, with a quick illustration just to kind of set the tone. Um, some of you may have heard this. There's this story about starfish, and I see they're up there, just a sea of starfish. It was originally printed and written by Lauren Isley. It's, it gets repeated a lot, but it's one of my favorites, and I think it's just a great illustration to kick us off this morning. So the story goes, there was, there was a man who was uh, walking down the beach one morning, and off in the distance he saw a figure. And it looked like that figure, uh, probably a boy, was tossing things in the water. And as he got closer, he saw that there was just this sea of starfish on the beach, much like what you see pictured up there. And this boy was one by one just throwing the starfish back in the water. And the man said, what are you doing? And the boy said, well, I have to throw them back in because if I leave them here and the tide goes out, they're all going to die. And there were just so many starfish that the man, you know, in his wisdom said, now, son, listen, I don't think you're going to be able to throw all of these starfish back in before the tide goes out. And the boy, you know, politely listened to the man's uh, comment there, picked up another starfish and threw it in the water and then looked back at him and smiled and said, oh, but it made a difference for that one. 
So that's, when we leave here today, we hope that that's what you leave with, that message. When we look at the needs of our community, uh, they can be overwhelming. There's a lot of need, like in many communities. Um, What we don't want to have is you be paralyzed by the overwhelming nature of that need. And we hope that you leave feeling that if you can make a difference for one, that's going to have a ripple effect. And it's going to impact others. And it's going to impact others. And so we we wanted to set the tone for what we're going to talk with you about today with that illustration. So our particular passion is around single moms and their children. And we want to share with you um, a lot of the data around uh, what it's like to be a single mom in the Columbus community and sort of the, the stats around the economic situation for this particular community. I think it's hard to pinpoint exactly where my passion for this group of people comes from. I Thinking about it, uh, I think it, it probably comes from... Uh, circumstances in my childhood. So when I was growing up, we had a woman who was very, very dear to us that we loved very much. And she uh, took care of my sister and I from the time I was five months old until I was 14. Our family was very, very lucky to have her. Um, But even from a really young age, I was not blind. She did not shield us from her story from her background and where she came from before we even came into her lives. So she was, at at one point in her life, she was a single mom who did not get the opportunity to graduate high school, who got pregnant young, was in an abusive relationship that ended in divorce, and uh, she was struggling very much um, to make ends meet, so much so that I remember as a young kid, probably around the age that her daughter was during this time, her sharing that when her daughter was five or six, she got head lice at school, and she didn't have the money to take the sheets to the laundromat at that point to even wash them. I mean, hearing those stories, and then I can remember as a kid unpacking that um, and taking it back to my own life in the neighborhood where we lived. There's a picture of good old Angola, Indiana. That's where I grew up in the northeast corner of Indiana. Um, and just thinking that the worlds were so different. And how could that be? Like, why was that? That's, that's very hard. You know, someone that you love going, having gone through that situation, it was hard even as, an, even as a child for me to wrap my mind around how, how different um, the world can be depending on where you are, um, where you live, and what your circumstances of life are. But one thing became very clear to me. I mean, certainly being poor does not make you less of a person. Making a bad decision, and then another one, and then another one, and maybe even another one, does not mean that you are unredeemable. I think a lot of the single moms in particular in this situation feel like they're unworthy. They've made too many bad decisions to have that lifeline, or like someone's not coming for them. And they can't even see their own potential through that fog, and I think we all can probably imagine how that would be. So my passion in JJ is to, is to, try, to, take, uh, to try to take action to help them change the trajectory in their lives and, and for their children and their children's children. And so the best way that we know how to do that is to help support in furthering their education. And so JJ's going to talk. We're going to unpack that a little bit. So I'm going to turn it over to JJ to kind of uh, set the stage based on what Pastor Mike has shared with us over the last few weeks. All right. <clears throat> for those of you who were here last week, you'll remember that Pastor Mike talked about hard-heartedness. Um, and for the first slide that we'll put up for, for my... What, what I'm going to speak to is beware of hard-heartedness. So um, Pastor Mike talked from James 1.27. Feel free to look it up. I'm going to read it to you just to, so it's at the front of our memory and for those of you who weren't here. It says, Pure and genuine religion in the sight of God, the Father, means caring orphans and widows in their distress and refusing to let the world corrupt you. Uh, and this, one of the most interesting things when Mike presented it to me that I really enjoyed, he said, um, why did God feel the need to, to say, 
caring for orphans and widows. Like, isn't that common sense? Don't, don't good people care for people who are disadvantaged and who are in need? Uh, and, and it resonated with me. The reason it resonated with me is um, I think it actually requires some conscious effort on our parts. Um, you know, when, when you look at some of the other verses in Scripture, uh, the verses I've got up there, 1 John three seventeen through 18, if anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need but has no pity on them, how can the love be, of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. And the, the thing that really struck me about this verse is it, it's, it's not words, it's not speech, it's not good feelings, it's not I'm sending thoughts your way and I'm sending prayers your way. Those are all great. Do them. It's actions. What are you actually doing? How are you reflecting Christ through your actions? And we've talked about that through a number of the last sermon series that, that we've had over the last few months. And then Proverbs, do not say to your neighbor, come back tomorrow and I'll give it to you when you already have it with you. And I think that can resonate for, I'm sure it resonates with you, with me, it really does, because I, I can't tell you how many times it's, I'm busy, I've got things going on. We've got three small kids, seven, five, and two. Uh, if I can just get through today, I'll help you tomorrow. You know, mm-hmm. and, and no matter what it is. When, that's not always the answer, but I would say more often it's the answer than it, than it needs to be. And I believe for myself and probably for the rest of us that we can, we can create some margin. We can help in some way. So that's what we want to talk about today is kind of through, um, through one step at a time how God can make an impact in people's lives. When you think about um, poverty, I think a lot of times people tie it to the physical need. They, they need money. They need food. They need um, resources. Yes, but that's not really what it's about. Like, I think that God has positioned people in poverty to be particularly sensitive to the gospel message, almost like a rawness, you know. And the Bible tells us that it's easier for the rich man to go through the eye of a needle. There's a reason for that, because he doesn't feel like he needs any help. Where in reality, all of us need help. You know, there's a God-shaped hole in all of us. I think people who are struggling financially on a day-to-day basis, they would love to have some help. When you talk to folks who are struggling financially, who are really dealing um, with with true poverty, the the three words that they use to describe it is shame, hopelessness, and isolation. They may not use those words, but you just, you hear it thematically through what they're talking about. And the cool thing about that is, set the physical needs aside, the money, the food, the resources, set that aside. What does God do for us? He takes away our shame, He takes us out of isolation, bringing us into community in a church body like this, connecting us with other people, letting us know that we're not alone, letting us know that we're not unique, letting us know that we're loved. That's the gospel message. That's the message that God really wants to put into a person's life. The bridge that he's giving us to be able to do that is through meeting the physical need, but but the real power of it is to be able to bring them into community and bring them into into God's community and, and take away that shame, hopelessness, and isolation. So how do we do that? If we can go on to the next slide. And don't read the slide. I'm going to walk you through it. What I, what I want you to take, what I want to tell you before we get there is we, we live in a, a fantastic city. I don't, I don't know how many of you know this, but Columbus is the top 15 growth city. We're the only city in the Midwest to be on that list. Every other city is in Florida, Texas, or California. So we're growing faster than a lot of the big cities you think of. Chicago, Detroit, Cleveland, Toledo, Cincinnati, Indianapolis. The complication of that is we're also the second most segregated, economically, economically segregated city in the United States. So what does that mean? And this is kind of where 
the graphic. This is actually from the, the dispatch um, a, a few years back. Wh what does that mean? That means that on a daily basis, for me to meet people where they are, I have to get out of my bubble. And, and in another way of saying it, I would say um, our bubbles are probably a lot stronger than they are in other areas. Um, the city has been designed. I don't think it was like intentional design. I think it was just kind of the way it formed. But it formed in such a way that we can live within our bubble and our reality can be the people around us here in Dublin, the people around us here in Worthington, where the average income looks kind of like Upper Arlington, $135,000 a year. You know, the average person, eight out of 10, owns their own home and their home is worth something like half a million dollars. When in reality, if you look here, I love this graphic because three miles away, we have Franklinton, which you can see in the text if you look at the very bottom. It's one of, it was one of the most economically challenged tracks, census tracts of land. Three miles away, and I almost felt like it's a misprint. Annual income of $6,000. 4.9% own their own home. The value of the land is less than $40,000. Now, the complication of this is, I live in Worthington, you see 315, it's that dot right there in the middle. So my commute takes me right past Upper Arlington, down to downtown, right on the skirts of Franklinton. Why do I mention that? I mention that because I can, I can go right by that bubble. I don't ever have to go inside that bubble. I can skirt right by it. And if I don't look to the left, then I don't even realize that anything's going on there. I don't realize that anybody's in need. And why does that matter? Because then I can keep my ignorance, I can keep my unawareness, I can keep my comfort. You know, I think that, I think that a lot of times as Christians, um, sometimes we even talk to other people about this when we talk about the gospel message, that it's, 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 it's a fullness, it's a connection with the Lord, it's a comfort, it's a joy, it's a happiness. Yes, it's all those things, but I don't think it's intended to be comfortable. I don't, you know, um, I love when Pastor Mike, he said this a couple times, and I appreciate it because I grew up, I grew up with the saying, God never gives you more than you can handle. And I loved when, I, I never agreed with it, at least not when I was old enough to appreciate it. And I loved Pastor Mike one time said, God always, when he's giving you something, he always gives you more than you can handle. Why? Because if you can, if you can handle it, what do you need God for? You know? If you look at the statistics on Franklin County as far as poverty are concerned, um, our poverty rate is overall poverty rate. And again, within our bubbles, we don't see this. is 20% higher than the national average. For children, 25% of children in Franklin County are living in poverty. It's 40% higher than the national average. And then for single mothers, the demographic we're talking to you here about today, of all of the single mothers in Franklin County, 43% are living in poverty. Almost half. And if you're like me, you're thinking, you know, this is where I think that God has to check my spirit because the first thing I wanted to think about was, I, where are all these single mothers? I don't see single mothers. I go down the road to Worthington to the farmer's market and then I go to Sawmill Road and I go shop and then I go downtown to my job. I don't see all these single mothers living in poverty. It's this. It's, I, can go, I can go down from Dublin to downtown on a daily basis and never see it unless I'm, I'm breaking out of my bubble and I'm breaking into theirs. And why does that matter? It matters because I believe God calls us to be in their reality for us to reach them. I don't think God calls us to go to them and tell them how great life is in Worthington, how great life is in Dublin. I think he wants us to walk alongside them experience what it's like for them and then the door to ministry opens and that's what we're trying to do with um, the ministry that we're going to be talking about here Sarah's going to give us a feel for um, what it's like to be a single mother and the reality that they live in 
Yeah, so I think if we could cue that, the video in the slides, hopefully it will play for us. Uh, we have a pretty powerful video on what life is like that we'd like to show. So hopefully that paints a picture for uh, all of you about the demographic that we're talking about and what a daily, what the daily life looks like for these, for women and their families who find themselves in this situation. I'd like, though, to bring the story a little bit uh, closer to home um, and talk to you about an experience that we had in the fall, actually at Vista in Worthington, uh, that we were able to host a focus group with six single mother-led families that are part of the, a program um, by the nonprofit Move to Prosper. So Move to Prosper's mission is to place single mother-led families in areas of opportunity. So that would be neighborhoods like Dublin, Hilliard, Worthington, you know, you name it. Places where the children can take advantage of the public school system, uh, where they're able to have access to community centers, healthy food, I mean, all of these great things. So that's sort of Move to Prosper's mission is to address uh, housing. But these women were, are, were perfect for um, a perfect group for us to gain information about what their daily lives were like and where, they, where the, the need was and from, hear from them directly where we could make the biggest impact. So it was a tremendous opportunity. We got to bring them in and their children into Vista's doors and uh, host this focus group. And it, was, it was, took place last November. Uh, but one of the things, I think the story that you just heard on the video, this is the story of these moms as well. This is, that was not an atypical, uh, an atypical glimpse into what a day in the life looks like. Um, 
But one of the great things here that's, that I think we learned that's so beautiful, when we asked, you know, the very simple question, just to kind of get the conversation going, what would you do? What would your dream be if money was no object? And the response was one of the most powerful responses I think we had in the entire focus group. So, so many of the women said basically that they would give back in their spheres and in their communities. This was not, I want to buy a fancy house, uh, or I want the latest model Tesla or anything like that. It was very focused on giving to others. It was one woman said that she wanted to have the opportunity to build a home for kids aging out of the foster care system. Another has a passion around visual impairment. She wanted to be able to take advantage of the opportunity to travel with her company and help people who are um, also in need get the glasses that they need. Uh, Their hearts were just so beautiful. And I thought that was, it was just very powerful to me to understand and to have the realization that it's a, it is a blessing to have enough to be able to give. This is something when you can't make your, when you can't meet your basic needs, that's not even on the table. And so that experience of the joy of giving to others, that's what they, they would most do. And I just thought that was such a beautiful reflection of the, um, the hearts of the women and the families that we're talking about. Um, you know, we talk about hard-heartedness too. And when life continuously knocks you down and you see others prospering around you while your family's struggling and you feel like no one's giving you a break or no one's going to come for you, that is a breeding ground for the hard-heartedness that we talked about uh, last week. But like I just shared, I mean, we have firsthand knowledge that that is not the diagnosis for these women. They are hopeful. They want to care for their families. They want to give back to their communities. And that is such a beautiful thing. So if we could go to the next slide... Uh, based upon these, these uh, testimonies that we have from the video and from what we learned from the focus group, uh, the question is, what data do we have? Like, what, what data do we have that supports that this mission for these, t- these families is very critical in our community? So I'd like to ask you, for which of these choices, A, B, or C, is 66% the right answer? Anybody? You can shout it out. Well, pretty informal. Anybody? I think I heard a very faint all, and that that you get the prize, because that's true. So for all of these, 66% is the correct answer. So 66% of all homeless families are led by a single mother. 66% of single mothers earn less than $30,000 a year. And 66% of single mothers have less than a high school diploma. We... You know, I think it's important, too, to understand nationally some of the statistics. So in the United States, 83%, and I promise we'll stop throwing percentages out at you at some point, but 83% of single mothers are, or single parents are mothers. That means women. So according to the Pew Research Center, too, more than half, or 58%, of black children are living with a single parent, and 47%, so almost 50% of uh, these black children living with a single parent are living with a single mom. So what this demonstrates to us is that single parent status and the benefits cliff, which is a concept that I'm going to introduce next, uh, that this has a disproportionate effect on women in our community, but even more specifically on women of color. So I mentioned the benefits cliff. I'd like to introduce that next. This is a really important piece of the puzzle to understand. So the Women's Fund of Central Ohio uh, commissioned a study on the benefits cliff specifically as it relates to childcare, and some interesting data came out. This, the benefits cliff is this paradox where a low-income worker actually works harder and earnings increase, but the net result is that they end up worse financially because public assistance then starts to go away. As they're making more money, they don't have the, the critical support that they need to be able to make ends meet, and so they're actually worse off financially than they were in the beginning. 
This has also been a particular focus of the Columbus Women's Commission, which was an initiative that Mayor Ginther started along with his wife, Shannon. Um, so Columbus is really focused on this benefits cliff. There's essentially a ceiling that gets placed on these women. Uh, they literally can't afford to take a promotion that would benefit them in the long run and change their trajectory because they are on this hamster wheel and they're unable to make ends meet. It's, a, it's really a, a, a big problem, and it's a key piece of the puzzle to understand. The solution is not just giving a, a wage increase. In fact, some of the, we have uh, employers that say that they have employees who don't accept them because financially they just can't make it work. And so that's, that's a problem. So uh, we've, we've laid out what the issues are, right? We've talked about the situation in, in central Ohio and Columbus specifically. We've talked specifically about the statistics around single mothers and single mother-led families. So we hope, right, that there is a solution. So I think that's what we'd like to share next, at least what we believe is the solution. So we believe that education is the key to breaking this cycle. Um, as you'll see, these statistics up here represent, these are specific to single mothers, not just general statistics. So, um, you know, on average, you see a single mother with less than a high school diploma would earn around $20,000 a year on average. Just with just an associate's degree, that number increases by 175%. With a bachelor's degree, it's almost two and a half times as much. This seems to be really the only way uh, that we can break that cycle and push families to reach economic stability where they're at a, a wage earning point where they um, are able to sustain themselves without the need for public assistance. So we, that's what we, we believe that education is, is the key. So JJ is going to talk to you a little bit about uh, how this breaks the cycle. So do me a favor, don't read the slide again. <laughs> I want to tell you why this is, why this is, this is where it's really cool to me. So probably about five years ago, I remember we were driving probably down to Atlanta. It was a long drive, going to see my brother and his kids. And, and Sarah and I are talking, chit-chat, like spouses do in the car. And Sarah says, I really want to help single mothers get their education. And so I let that land. And, you know, as, as, a, as a man, I'm like, how to respond to this? Like, don't respond as you would to one of your guy friends because you could offend um, and so I, I think, and I'm like, all right, okay, why that? Why not somewhere else? Like, I think it's great that you have this, this, this calling, but why that? And she said, well, I think I just, I don't know, quite frankly, but I think some of it is, you know, we, we met in law school, we have our educations, uh, we have resources, we, we work hard, but like, we don't, we're not trying to make ends meet. And she's like, and it's still so hard and we still feel stretched and we're both contributing. We're doing things around the house. We have parents that are in town that help from time to time. I, don't, I just don't understand how single mothers do it. Um, and at that moment, it was about helping single mothers get their education. We didn't know any of this research. We didn't know that how much it would improve their earning power. The, I can't say we had a, a real reality for what they were dealing with on a day-to-day -day basis. God knew. We did not know. This is where, for me, God does so much more than we can do on our own. You know, God gives us more than we can handle so that we can see what he can do through us what he can do through us. When you look at breaking the cycle, this is based on a 30-year study that was multi-generational, done in New York, City University of New York. They call them CUNYs up there. That's where we went to law school. Um, not CUNY, but in the New York area. Um, in the study, what they found was if you, if you educate the single mother, not only does that break that family out of poverty because you saw the earning power increase, but it creates a ripple effect. And it's what my friends in the military call force multiplier. The, the kids are more likely to get better grades in school. They're, they're going to have better success in school. 
their likelihood of going to college raises dramatically. And not only that, but their kids' kids, the next generation of kids, are much more likely to go to college. So it pays forward. Uh, in addition to that, if you look at the communities that they're in, when a single mother gets her education, uh, it's not, this isn't unique to single mother, this is just people in, in poverty advancing themselves and, and, and fighting for that way out. It can reduce the incidence of teen pregnancy. Um, it can reduce the, the incidence of drug use within young people in that community because they see a way out. You know, when you talk to some com community members that, that try to help people in need, one of the, the kind of sayings is, what I see is what I believe I can be. And if you go back to the bubble slide, if all of I'm seeing is people who earn $6,000 a year and nobody owns their own home, nobody has a college degree, why would I believe that I can do that unless somebody comes into my bubble and shows me how I do that? This is really exciting. This has been true, too, and, um, for my own family. Um, luckily, fortunately, we were blessed by God. We, we did not have a single-family situation or single-parent situation. But in my family, my dad uh, grew up a migrant worker. So what does that mean? It means he and his 40 closest family members picked fruits and vegetables. He started at the age of four. They were paid by the bushel, and they all supported the community of family. And, and, they, and they moved three or four times a year, depending on where the work was. Uh, my dad, as the oldest person in his family, would take his younger brother and sister three times a year and enroll them in a new school so that they could get their educations. A lot of times, from a financial perspective, they need to contribute more financially to the family so the kids don't get to finish school. So my grandparents had third and sixth year educations on my dad's side of the family, and that's, that's pretty common. They had to contribute to the, the family's financial needs, so they dropped out of school and they started contributing. Now, we, sitting in our room, in this room, and knowing what we know, would say, oh, they could just push through. If they could get that education, they could, they could take care of every kid in that family going forward. My grandparents, luckily, they, were, they um, became believers during this time, and I feel like God laid it on their heart. And they, they felt a very strong desire that my dad had to go to one high school. They wanted him to be the first person in his family to finish high school. So they moved up to Toledo. They took jobs in the auto parts um, industry, supporting the Detroit um, auto industry that was booming at the time. So my dad could go to one high school. He finished high school. His youth pastor said, hey, what do you think about college? And he said, I don't know. I figured I'd just enroll like I've done with my siblings a dozen times before. And he said, no, you, this is the process for getting into college. This is what you need to think about. I'll take you to visit a college. I'll walk you through the process. Somebody came into his bubble, took him on the journey he needed to go on to be able to get his education, gets his college degree, marries my mother, moves back to Toledo. I'm born. When I was two years old, he decides, I'm going to go to law school. I need to go to law school. And he's like, I don't really know what being a lawyer is. I just felt like I needed to increase my earning potential. He was working two jobs at the time, um, a social worker for Big Brothers Big Sisters and delivering packages for UPS. And he went to law school at night while working two jobs. I remember, I vividly remember just not seeing him at all. I mean, it'd be Saturday afternoon, we'd see him at the dinner table maybe. So why do I tell you that? Like, even with, if you, think about, if you think about my dad's reality, even with everything he was putting into that, he still needed, the only reason he could do what he was doing was because my mom stayed home with us. My mom supported, took the, kept the household running. My mom took care of us. We stayed, financially, we stayed with her. And, you know, we worked close from garage sales. We, we had our, we, we, we sewed stuff. We didn't buy new stuff. Um, my dad was able to do that because my mom was there to support him. And, and this is what these single mothers don't have right now. If you can go on to the next slide, um, Sarah is going to walk us through the barrier that there is to this education. And I've kind of teed it up here, but she's going to walk you through what that looks like within Central Ohio. Oh, that might get stuck. 
Yes. Yeah, so I'm gonna, I would like to talk to you about what we think is the biggest barrier, and the data certainly backs that up. So in Ohio, as you can see on this slide, uh, for a single parent, uh, child care center costs represent somewhere between 44% and 80% of someone's budget. So that's obviously a very large uh, piece of the pie there. And that's where we think that we are going to be able to make a huge impact if we can do some work around eliminating that barrier. The other thing that that does, focusing on this barrier specifically, is the obvious impact to the kids. Um, you know, when we, when we have our children enrolled in quality child care while parents are away at work, we see them... Uh, opened up, their eyes opened up to other opportunities in the world. We see them being uh, more kindergarten ready. It's the benefits go on and on and on. And while they're doing so, if we can eliminate that, that barrier, and as JJ said, if mom is able to further her education, then uh, they get to see that role model. And that's all of a sudden what their expectation is and what their sights are set on. And we just see complete change in the family. So that's really a place uh, where we have been focused or where, and where we think that uh, we, can, we can do the most great work. So, J.G., you want to bring us home? So if we can go to the next slide. <laughs> this was going to be, it'll come up. This was going to be the slide that I wanted to finish on and, Luke 14, 12 through 14, write that down, read it later. What I, what I really wanted to talk about there was breaking out of your bubble. And if you read the verse, hopefully that resonates with you. Why do I tell you that was going to be the last slide? Um, we were at dinner last night, um, walking through our notes, kind of rehearsing. And I had a slide in the middle of the week. It's based on a, a book that I've been reading that I felt like when I read this passage in the book, it's John Piper, Don't Waste Your Life. Um, it was like a punch in the gut. And I felt like I was walking in a daze for about two days after I read this passage. And, and I had it in there, the last slide, and I said, God, I don't even know these folks out in Dublin. Like, I consider them part of my church community, but I, I don't get to fellowship with them like I do with Worthington. Like, you're not really asking me to go there and, 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 and take them on that experience, right? Like, nobody seeks that out. So the next slide is what God said. He, I felt like, I mean, I'm, I'm, I felt like this is what God had to say to us. Um, and this is the passage from page 115 of uh, Don't Waste Your Life. If we can jump to the next slide. Oh, okay. So we, we switched the deck late last night. It didn't get to you, but don't worry. <laughs> All right. Surprise. Yeah. <laughs> so what John Piper's talking about around page 115, he's talking about there's a difference between being a good person and being a Christian. There's expected to be a difference. So there are a lot of people who go about their lives... Um, not cheating on their spouses, not lying, being people of integrity, helping those in proximity to them, um, being good neighbors, uh, watching, being careful about what they watch and tell. A lot of people do that. That doesn't make you a Christian. And that hit me hard. If you recall last week, um, Mike said, uh, at times there are people who pay their tithe on, Saturday, on Sunday so that they can do whatever they want during the week. That's been me. Um, that's been me. And, and, and this, this passage in, in John Piper's book really struck me. I, I, I really didn't like when I started reading um, around this area, but the, the passage that really struck me is he says, Jesus rebuked his disciples with words that easily apply to us when we sit comfortably within our Christian bubble. And he paraphrases Luke six thirty-two through 34 and Matthew five forty-seven. He says, even sinners work hard, avoid gross sin, watch TV at night, and do fun things on the weekend. What more are you doing than others? 
what more am I doing than others? You know, I, those, those things all apply to me. We, we have fun with our three kids. I drive to and from Worthington and downtown. Uh, I try to invest in other people. But what more am I doing than others? That doesn't make me a Christian, you know? That, that doesn't make me a little version of Christ. And that's kind of what we wanted to bring today. The message that we wanted to leave you with is, is it's not about what you do. This is something that we're doing, and we would love to have you come alongside us and, and invest in it. But it's about doing something. Go back to that verse, John, 1 John three seventeen, where he talks about action. It's not just words. It's not just thoughts. It's action. And I think hopefully what you'll relate to is it was my experience of, for me, going from Worthington to downtown, but for you going from Dublin to downtown, wherever you may work, if, if that is your journey, you're skirting right alongside a bunch of bubbles right along the way. There are all kinds of people who need help, single mothers and otherwise. And if you can't point to somebody's life that you're breathing into, there's an opportunity there that God's teeing up with you, that he really, he, I think today really the message is about what's going on in the community, but the fact that there's so much need and that we need to get out of our own communities to see it and to be able to touch people where they are. So thank you for the opportunity to share with you. Justin's going to come up and ask a couple questions of us. Oh. All right. It's good stuff. It's hard stuff, right? Uh, and there is real and actual need. And um, so we do want to leave you kind of on that hook for a little while, but we also want to let you know of some uh, ways to engage the need. Uh, and so why don't you tell us about the Overcomer Foundation and uh, what that's all about? Sure. Yeah, so um, like I mentioned, our passion is around this particular demographic. And so what we did with it uh, a couple years ago, at the beginning of 2018, we formed a nonprofit organization called the Overcomer Foundation. Uh, this specific mission is to assist with the child care barrier so moms can go back and further their education and hopefully break that cycle of poverty. So that's been a really exciting journey. We launched in the spring of 2019, and it took us about a year to assemble the advisory board and really get some traction. But I'm really excited about the fact that um, as of today, we have two families in the program. And um, we're looking to bring more on throughout 2020. So it's good. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, one of the other ways that uh, we are starting to, to partner with the Overcomer Foundation as a church uh, and with these guys in, in particular, uh, one of the things is as they were sharing their heart about uh, this demographic and, and ways we could be involved. Uh, JJ is like, you know, there's a lot of more. Uh, ways for the church to be involved, right? Uh, and so we are, as God would have it, we've been, we've gotten connected over the last month with an, uh, another church in Columbus that's, that's working to this end and serving families, uh, particularly with kids under the age of three. Uh, and so we are starting to take, have some conversations and take some steps towards opening a, a free store, uh, probably out of the Worthington campus. We've got a giant warehouse over there that could uh, be full of stuff. Um, and also, hopefully, partnering with this other church uh, as they need some storage as well. So uh, God's doing some things in this area already. And uh, so there is a way for you to connect with the Overcomer Foundation. Yeah, so www.theovercomerfoundation.org uh, would be the easiest way. You can, you'll find my email address there. Your contact information may be up there. <laughs> For sure, mine, though. You have to go through me. There are some uh, cards out on the Connect table to tell you more about uh, the foundation. 
Also, we have a partner in Young Life, and they have an arm of their ministry towards teen moms called Young Lives. They have a benefit concert coming up in April. There's a, uh, a card on the Connect table about that. It's a great way to have a night out, but also to support another ministry that is uh, to trying to remedy some of these issues that we talked about this morning for uh, single mother-led families. So, uh, we're about out of time, but I want to thank these guys. Uh, we so appreciate them and the, not only uh, speaking with us this morning, but also just for the ways that they have trusted God. Uh, and it is, it is very obvious to us that you are inspired about uh, this demographic and helping these women. And uh, we're so thankful for your steps of faith uh, to bring us into the mix. So let's pray for them. In just a moment, we're also going to pass the offering basket. This wasn't meant to be necessarily an emotional give time. Uh, but we do use it each, each week as a time for us to examine uh, what God has entrusted to us and to loosen our grip. Uh, in different ways, and particularly through our finances. So let me pray for these guys and for the uh, foundation and for our offering this morning. Jesus, we are so thankful that you call us each to yourself. You are always at work, and, and so, God, uh, you're the one that calls us to join you in that work. So we're thankful for the ways that you have called uh, Sarah and JJ to yourself and called them uh, into spaces that they could easily ignore. God, we're thankful for their faithfulness. We're thankful for their inspiration. We're thankful for their dedication to, uh, to get out of their bubbles and to learn about other people and to, uh, to share it with us. And so, God, would you change us and move us uh, this morning so that we might move uh, towards others as well. And, God, would you use uh, the offering this morning? Uh, would you bless it with uh, your presence? Would you use it in such a way uh, that more might come to know you uh, and for the, the expansion of your kingdom? We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.